So it's nice to be here in Melbourne Temple again. <laughs> so we're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, sixth canto. Ninth chapter, text 36. So I'm not even going to attempt the Sanskrit on this one. <laughs> so I'll just, uh, I'll read the, um, because there's no meter to it anyway, so I'll just do the English translation of it. <clears throat> and the translation for this verse is, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, all contradictions can be reconciled in you. O Lord, since you are the Supreme Person, the reservoir of unlimited spiritual qualities, the Supreme Controller, your unlimited glories are inconceivable to the conditioned souls. Many modern theologians argue about right and wrong without knowing what actually is right. Their arguments are always false and their judgments inconclusive because they have no authorized evidence with which to gain knowledge of you. Because their minds are agitated by the scriptures containing false conclusions, they are unable to understand the truth concerning you. Furthermore, because of polluted eagerness to arrive at the right conclusion, their theories are incapable of revealing you, who are transcendental to their material conceptions. You are one without a second, and therefore, you, uh, uh, you, therefore in you, contradictions like doing and not doing, happiness and distress, are contradictory. Your potency is so great that it can do and undo anything as you like. With the help of that potency, what is impossible for you, since there is no duality in your con constitutional position, you can do everything by the influence of your energy. Purport by His Divine Grace, the Prabhupada. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, being self-sufficient, is full of transcendental bliss, Atmarama. He enjoys bliss in two ways, when he appears happy and when he appears distressed. Distinctions and contradictions are impossible in him because only from him have they emanated. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the reservoir of all knowledge, all potency, all strength, opulence and influence. There is no limit to his powers. Since he is full in all transcendental attributes, nothing abominable from the material world can ever exist in him. He is transcendental and spiritual and therefore conceptions of material happiness and distress do not apply to him. We should not be astonished to find contradictions in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Actually, there are no contradictions. That is the meaning of his, his being supreme. Because he is all-powerful, he is not subject to conditioned soul's arguments regarding his existence or non-existence. He is pleased to protect his devotees by killing their enemies, and he enjoys both killing and protecting. Such freedom from dualities applies not only to the Lord, but also to his devotees. In Vrindavan, the damsels of Rajabhumi enjoy transcendental bliss in the company of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. And they feel the same transcendental bliss in separation when Krishna uh, and Balaram leave Vrindavan for Mathura. There is no question of material pain or pleasure for either the Supreme Personality of Godhead or his pure devotees. Although they are sometimes superficially said to be distressed or unhappy or happy, one who is Atmarama is blissful is blissful in both ways. Non-devotees cannot understand the contradictions present in the Supreme Lord or his devotees. Therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, Bhaktyamamabhijananti, the transcendental pastimes can be understood through devotional service. To, to non-devotees, they are inconceivable. Achincha kalu ye bhava na tam tarkena yoja yet. The Supreme Lord and his form, name, pastimes and paraphernalia are inconceivable to the non-devotees. And one should not try to understand such realities simply by logical arguments. They will not bring one to the right conclusion about the absolute truth. Jai Shila Prabhupada. Om Ajnanati Mirandasya Gananjana Salakaya Chakshuram Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha 
So this is uh, an amazing section of the Bhagavatam. And a very pertinent point is being made here. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is inconceivable to us. How, how he is both uh, present and uh, he can have both happiness and distress. From the translation, I just repeat that translation. A Supreme Personality of Godhead, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, all contradictions can be reconciled in you. O Lord, since you are the Supreme Person, the reservoir of unlimited spiritual qualities, the Supreme Controller, your unlimited glories are inconceivable to conditioned souls. Many theologians argue about right or wrong without knowing what is actually right. And so this is what we see so often within uh, the world today, even with different religious leaders. Srila Prabhupada makes a point that non-devotees cannot understand the contradictions present in the Supreme Lord or his devotees. Therefore in the Bhagavad Gita it says, Bhaktivamma Pijananti. Now from that, that translation of that, that verse in the Bhagavad Gita is one can understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead as he is only by devotional service. When one is in full consciousness of the Supreme Lord by such a devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. So it's only by devotional service that we can enter into the kingdom of the Lord. Prabhupada says to that purport, uh, in that purport, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna and his plenary portions cannot be understood by mental speculation or by the non-devotees. If anyone wants to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he has to take, take to pure devotional service under the guidance of a pure devotee. Otherwise, the truth of the Supreme Personality of Godhead will always be hidden. It is already stated, Nama Prakasha, that he, who, he is not revealed to everyone. Everyone cannot understand God's God simply by erudite scholarship or mental speculation. One who is actually engaged in Krishna consciousness and devotional service can understand what Krishna is. University degrees are not helpful. So this is really interesting because, um, as you know, in my service, I deal with a lot of people that are from other faith traditions, and I also deal with atheists and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, and I ask them sometimes, um, you know, uh, what, what do you feel or how do you understand God? What is your understanding of God? So the atheists basically point out uh, one of their arguments, and you've, I'm sure you've heard this argument, they say, well, you know, if God is all, all powerful and he can do anything, can he create a hill or an object that is so heavy that he can't lift it? And I said, yeah, he can. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to trick me into saying, well, see, God can't do something. But they don't understand, as Prabhupada is pointing out here, you can't understand God by just mere logic and erudite scholarship or anything. You have to have that transcendental understanding that actually God can do anything. He's both, he can be happy, he can be distressed, he can, in either way. So, yeah, God can create a hill that is, is incredibly heavy, so heavy, but he can also lift it. That he, so it's just like, well, what are you talking about, Bhakti? How can that be, you know? And then the other thing is, is that also when I'm talking to uh, religionists, people that are following a particular religion, some of them uh, say, you know, I, I want to have discussions about God. You know, how do we love God? How do you, in your tradition, love God? How do you see God? How do you relate to God? And sometimes that's just too complex for them. They say, oh, Bhakti, you know, that's, you know, that's just far too... It's, they say, put that in the too hard basket. God is there, we're not sure how it all happens, but God is there. And basically they're more concerned just with philanthropic work and ritualistic ceremonies, and they go on from that, which is good, but it's not the complete package. But we in devotional service actually get that complete package, that we understand God is, is inconceivable and wonderful. It's hard to understand the Lord and his, with our limited material consciousness. We just can't understand God with limited material consciousness. We have to rely on the Lord's mercy. 
So all of us somehow or other have come to this Krishna consciousness by the Lord's mercy. And that's how we can understand the Supreme Personality as he is. Now how do we obtain that mercy? And Prabhupada points to that in the purport here. We obtain that mercy by following strictly in the process of devotional service. Process of devotional service, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam are the prim primary ones. Hearing about the Lord, chanting his glories, remembering, and, and Seva, Padasevanam. So this is really the whole thing, the hearing and chanting, and especially service. Without service, we're not going to make advancement, and I'll, I'll explain why. Kirtan is glorifying the Lord, and, and Lord Chaitanya, when he manifested himself in this earth planet, was saying that this is the most important thing for us to do, is just this kirtan, is chanting. Everywhere he went throughout India, he, he encouraged people to just chant the holy name of the Lord. When you read the Chaitanya Charitamrita or the Chaitanya Bhagavat, people were infatuated by the Lord and just his chanting. And people from all different walks of life, whether they were Mayavadis, whether they were Buddhists, whether they were just simple village people, everybody became ecstatic just by the chanting of the holy names. So this is, uh, this is a wonderful thing, you know. And we understand that this kirtan, this glorification of the Lord, this sankirtan movement of Lord Chaitanya, Lord Chaitanya points out that the holy name of the Lord and the Lord are non-different. Now again, if you present that to a materialist, is that how can a word or a sound vibration be the same as a, uh, as a person? What to speak of God? So they can't fathom this out. They can't understand how that is possible. And we only understand that because we're actually practicing and we can actually practice our devotional service, uh, our chanting, with a, a service attitude. So God himself enunciates, and especially the chanting of the holy name, as the yuga dharm. The, the process for this age is this chanting of the holy name. In the different yugas, different processes. In this yuga, it is simply the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. And who was Lord Chaitanya? Lord Chaitanya was God himself, was Krishna. And this is, this is again, an amazing thing. When you really actually stop to think about it, who Lord Chaitanya was, who Krishna was. Krishna was the supreme, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And his appearance is not just a minor thing. He wasn't just a partial incarnation or an avatar. It was Krishna himself coming from the spiritual world, bringing the whole spiritual entourage with him. This is the Lord of the universe, of all the universes, of all creation. He, he came to a specific place on this earth planet to, uh, to do his pastimes. And uh, this is Swayam Bhagavan. He's Swai the only true special personality, the Lord of all personalities. And there's that verse, Ramadi Murti Shukalani Jamena Tistan, Nanavatala Makaro Bhuvaneshukintu, Krishna Swayam Samabat. Param Pumanyo Govinda Maripurusham Tamahambajami. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, who manifested himself personally as Krishna, and different avatars as well in the world in the form of Rama, Nasringa, Vamana, as his subjective portions. So this is a special occasion when the Lord actually appears. And the Lord descends with his whole entourage from the spiritual room. And Lord Chaitanya similarly was not just a Leela avatar, but he was the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he brought with him this Harinam, Harinam, Eva Kevalam, Kalona, Stevana, Stevana, Steva Just simply chant the holy name of the Lord. Just be convinced that that is the ticket home. Just to chant this holy name. Uh, in the uh, Madhya Leela, uh, Nama Chintama Krishnas Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha, the holy name of Krishna is transcendentally blissful. It is bestowed with all spiritual benedictions. It is Krishna himself. Haribo. How are you, Prabhu? I've got one of them now too. <laughs> A walking stick that I have to use. And it's form of all transcendental mellows. It is not a material name under any condition. And it is no less powerful than Krishna himself. This is because the name Krishna and Krishna himself are identical. 
And furthermore, Rupa Goswami says in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Ata Shri Krishna Namadi, Nabhavet Grayam Indriya, Seva Mukhi Jiva Do Swayam Evam Spurajada. Now, this is a really important verse. No one can understand the transcendental nature, form, quality, and pastimes of Krishna through his materially contaminated senses. Only when one becomes spiritually saturated by transcendental service. Spiritually saturated. You have to have the service attitude in the whole process of chanting Hare Krishna. Uh, transcendental names, qualities and pastimes of the Lord revealed to that person. So it's again this saturated by transcendental service. That's what I wanted to focus on today. That it's not merely enough to just chant the holy name of the Lord. The holy name has to be saturated with a service energy. That has to be there. There's this amazing story that Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj says that uh, there is no mood, if there is no mood of service in your chanting, then actually you won't get the results of your chanting, or it'll be at least minimal. This is Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur who says that. And there's a story which he relates about his father, Bhakti Thakur. I don't know if you've heard this story before, but Bhakti Thakur at one stage was traveling and he had some service to do as a magistrate and he had to stop at a temple overnight to take rest. And so he went to this temple and he just took rest. And next morning he woke up and he came out of the temple and the, all the neighboring people came out and they said, how did you do that? Did you sleep in the temple last night? And they, he said, yes, I did. And he said, but that's impossible. There's a Brahma Rakshasa living there. And every time the devotees stay in this temple or sleep overnight at this temple, they get bombarded by rocks and stones and everything and are kept awake all night. And, and Bhaktivinoda, of course, said, no, I just chanted the holy name and I slept here and, and everything was okay. And then they further said, well, he asked, well, who, what, what is this Rakshasa? Who is this Rakshasa, this Brahma Rakshasa? And he said, actually... It was the former, uh, no, first of all, Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, no, no, I have nothing to fear. I was chanting the holy name of the Lord and the Lord will protect me in any circumstance. And they said, yeah, but that, that's really strange because the, the Brahma Rakshasa in this temple is at, was actually our head Pujari. And our head Pujari was actually always chanting the holy names of God. And this is, this is the, but was he chanting Sudanam? Was he chanting purely? And, the, and this is the point. They said, and Bhaktivinoda asked the neighbors and the people that had gathered, what was he like? Oh, actually, he was a horrible man. He had many bad qualities, but he always chanted. He was very bad in so many different ways. So the fact that he was that negative quality, there wasn't that service attitude, there wasn't that compassion and loving uh, a companionship to the devotees that were there, consequently ent ended up a, a Brahma Rakshasa. And the fact that Bhaktivinoda was chanting so purely, it counteracted any negativity that this uh, ghost could have. So this was the potency of, 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 of uh, Bhaktivinoda So it was pointed out there that uh, you know, it's, it's so important to have that, that sudanam when we chant, that humble mood of, of service attitude to everyone. Uh, some of you may know I, I do a, uh, a little thing. Because I deal with a lot of people on Facebook and in my life, in my service, with people that are not devotees, you know. And so what I do is, uh, you may have seen it sometimes, on Facebook I do a little fortnightly caption with a little painting. Everybody knows that I, I paint. So I do this little painting and then the painting is not so much important, it's more an illustration of a message that I want to present. And so then I have a little purport to this painting. And the one I did recently was about, um, about a mother. And it was just on my mind because I've been thinking about a mother's love for her children. And uh, 
so I did this little painting, and with the help of Bhakti, this is the um, this is the the purport to that little painting. A loving mother is the epitome of self -sur selfless surrender. So mum will do anything for her children. Okay. Spiritual wisdom states that in the material world, a love for a mother experienced for her child is the closest one can get to selfless love that we strive to develop uh, and that we strive to develop this kind of selfless love towards the Supreme without any demands for our personal needs or desires. So Prabhupada, when I say spiritual wisdom, I mean Srila Prabhupada, but you know. So a mother's love for her children is just so surrendered that she will do anything for her child. You know, and that Prabhupada said is the closest thing that we can understand to that surrendered attitude to, to, that a devotee has for Krishna, that a pure devotee has for Krishna. The bond which develops between a mother and child is certainly a strong one, and the bond between souls and the Supreme Creator is eternal. So we have to develop that loving relationship and service attitude to the Supreme. Our service attitude has to be there else our chanting will be lacking and the Lord will not reveal himself to us. So there was a class the other day that Madhavananda gave about getting close to Krishna, seeing Krishna. And Krishna is constantly looking out, when is this person going to turn to me and turn to me and love me? So there's a quote by Srila Prabhupada, there's no question of material pains or pleasure for either the Supreme Personality of Godhead or his pure devotees. Although they are sometimes superficially said to be distressed or happy, one who is Atmarama is blissful in both ways. So sometimes there's pain and suffering, as was mentioned in the purport about the, the gopis. They were, you know, blissful when they were with Krishna, but there was a transcendental bliss also when Krishna and Balaram were leaving for Mathura. And there are many other instances of that. So the service attitude can also be given to the pure devotee. So if we actually see that the pure devotee can also have that. Prabhupada also had many distresses in his life and, and positives in his life, but he remained equipoised in all those different situations. The, I've been reading the um, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita recently in story form. I don't know if you've seen this book at the shop. It is uh, a condensed version, not condensed actually, but it's the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita in a story form. So you're reading it as a novel of Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. It's so blissful, really blissful. And it was uh, one of the stories that I was reading about the mercy of the Supreme Lord and, service, and talking about service attitude of a devotee was when he was traveling in South India. And you know this story about how he came across the illiterate Brahmana who was sitting and he was just uh, looking and trying to read the Bhagavad Gita. And Lord Chaitanya saw him and he said, what are you doing? Because everybody was scoffing at this person. They were treating him ill, thinking, oh, this person is just an illiterate fool. Look at him, he's trying to look like he's reading the Bhagavad Gita, but he really hasn't got a clue. But as he was flicking through, he was trying to read, and he also saw the pictures of Krishna on the chariot of Arjuna and, uh, and how he was the chariot driver for Arjuna, and it, it filled him with love. And so Lord Chaitanya was asking him, you know, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm following the instructions of my spiritual master. This is my service. He has told me that I should be reading this Bhagavad Gita and I'll get all realization from this Bhagavad Gita. And Lord Chaitanya said, so how are you doing that? They say that you're illiterate. And he said, well, when I see that picture and when I read those pastimes of Lord Chaitanya as best I, uh, of Krishna as best I can, uh, I become overwhelmed by the love that Lord, Ch that Lord Krishna has for his devotees. And it overwhelms me to the extent where I just completely lose all, all feelings of, uh, I just am filled with love for Krishna. And Lord Chaitanya said, you have actually got the real message of Bhagavad Gita. This is the real message that is there in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord's mercy. And not only did Lord Chaitanya embrace that Brahmana, but he also, uh, Lord Chaitanya was there for a fortnight in that part of South India. And that Brahmana had the opportunity to be with Lord Chaitanya for that whole fortnight period. 
and he was a close associate of Lord, Lord Chaitanya, which is an amazing feat. So the service, service attitude is, is so important. Um, there was a, actually, I wanted to mention, there was a really interesting, you know, I know we shouldn't sometimes watch TV, but I watched this documentary the other day. And in, in, in light of what we're talking about, it was so pertinent. There's a show that um, is a show where um, a person that has lost a family or a family relative somewhere down the line, uh, the, they organize a group of people to look for that person's long lost relative. Okay? So this story captured me. Somehow or other Krishna made the arrangement. This story captured me. It was of this woman who had lost all connection with her family. Uh, she was uh, an orphan at a very young age. And she is now a full-grown woman. But all her life she was wondering, who is my mother? You know, and she was searching and searching. She couldn't find. No one could tell her who her mother was. And she was so concerned that she approached this TV show and they researched it anyway she said I had no blood relatives at all in this world and I want to find out what is my connection so you can see where the thing is going so what is my connection so these um, these people started to research and trying to find where this mother was and through birth records and all this kind of stuff eventually they found the mother and she was living in South Africa. This was in England, but she was living in South Africa. Did you see this one, Prabhu? Okay. So she was living in South Africa. So uh, they made every endeavor for her to meet with the mother. And it's very touching, even materially speaking, you know, we're sometimes overwhelmed with emotions, even materially. And it was very touching when eventually the mother and the daughter met due to the intercession of these uh, people who found out, scrutinized all the different areas where this mother could be. And finally they found her and then they make, you know, a big dramatic thing of where the mother and the, and the daughter meet. It was, it was actually heart-wrenching. It was very, very emotional. And the mother said, you know, uh, oh shit, the girl first of all said, I'm so glad I can meet with you that I actually have a connection with you. And the mother was saying, yes, so am I. For my whole life, I have never told anybody about you. Not, she got married and had children, other children. She never told anybody that she had a child. When she was very, very young, they had went on holidays. And unfortunately, due to some romance that this child had had, she became pregnant. And the parents let her have her pregnancy and then took the child away from her as soon as the child was born. Didn't even get to hug the child or anything. And, uh, and, and that child was then orphaned out and the, the mother was taken away. And, and this happens so often. So anyway, she longed for, as a mother does, longed for her child. And, uh, and so she couldn't, she couldn't, uh, she couldn't, she never knew how this child was, whether it lived or whatever. So when she finally embraced the child, it was like complete fulfillment. So I took this as a, an analogy, actually, of our relationship with Krishna. Actually, we're all orphaned, aren't we? We're stuck in this material world, and somehow or other we got here. We don't know how we got here, but we're here. And most people don't have any idea or have any desire to find out our real position. We, we had the people that just go on their lives and living their lives. But we've made an endeavor to actually find out who our connection, who, as she had it, who's our blood relative? Who are we really related to? And we're related to Krishna. Now in the spiritual world, Lord Krishna is waiting. Now the love that that, that mother had for this lost child, multiply that a million times. And that's the love that Lord Krishna has for us. And he's simply waiting for us to come back to him. That we actually make an endeavor to actually go back to him. And then eventually, and that's done by the intercession 
This was the crew, the TV crew, is the guru, is the spiritual master. He's making all the arrangements. He or she is making all the arrangements. Gurus, plural, our Diksha Guru and our Siksha Gurus, are making all the arrangements to find your way back home. We know where you belong here. This is how you get back home. And, and they make the arrangements. And the major thing is that that chanting of the holy name. You chant this name nicely, you follow the principles, you have a service attitude, and then Krishna will manifest himself, will come to you. Krishna is waiting for you with that love which is so powerful, inconceivable to us, how much Krishna loves us. You know, if the comparison that Prabhupada makes is the love for a mother for a child, just like that mother over there, she loves her child so much. <laughs> Mummy. <laughs> you know, Krishna, multiply that a million times and that's Krishna's love for us. At one stage, Srila Prabhupada tells us that actually Krishna is waiting so long, the spiritual master will at one stage take you by the hand and introduce you to Krishna. And the spiritual master will say, Krishna, this is bhakti in such and such, or bhakti such and such. And then Krishna said, oh, you're back, and embraces you. Just as Lord Chaitanya embraced that brahmana, and then you're with Lord Chaitanya and Lord Krishna forever, from there on in, in a loving relationship. So this is uh, quite significant. I, just, I was moved by that because I could draw that comparison of us being material um, you know, be, being stuck in this material world, and actually we're orphans. You know, we think we have material parents, but we don't. They're all, we've had so many parents, you know. So, our service attitude has to be the foremost in our consciousness when we chant the holy name. This is so important that we remain in this service attitude. Now, especially, we have a situation where, uh, and this is a bit of an advertisement, uh, we've got an opportunity to render even more service. Uh, we are today, in the next week or so, we're opening up a centre in, in, uh, in the western suburbs. Finally. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's humble beginnings, but it's an opportunity to actually uh, promote Krishna consciousness and promote the holy name to those people that are living in the western suburbs. And it gives us an opportunity for all of us to also become more engaged in service. There is so much now. You know, sometimes people are struggling in Melbourne Temple. Can I get some service here, Prabhu? Can I do anything? And sometimes it's very hard to get some service here in Melbourne Temple. So with another outlet, we've got opportunities to do so many things, you know. And uh, we're open to it. We have a committee. So, you know, if, the, if you ladies want to have a ladies' class, if you want to have vegetarian cooking classes, all these different things are open. And we do these things to bring people closer to Krishna consciousness, to bring all the orphans back to Krishna. So this is a, an amazing thing. Um, we're very, very pleased that this is happening by the mercy of um, uh, Chirag Desai, one of his factories, we're able to utilize that in our preaching. So we're going down there today to measure up everything and see how we go. Have you seen it, Sukadev? You've been, you, oh, of course, you work there. <laughs> right, so, yeah, no, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. So that holy name, the chanting of the holy name is actually our business. You know, many of us work like Sukadev Prabhu and all of you work in different ways. And that may be your occupation, but it's not our, our detailed business. Our business is promoting the holy name of the Lord, and our business is chanting the holy name of the Lord in such a way that Krishna looks at us and thinks, wow, you know, in a service attitude. When we, when we have that service attitude, then Krishna is really pleased. So as we can continue our life, uh, the occupation side of it, may decrease, as is the case with Bhakti and myself, and then, and then our opportunity to serve more and to be more dedicated to the Holy Name, our real business comes into the fore. So actually, as you're getting older, people think, oh, I don't want to get old, I don't want to get old. But actually, when you get older, it's a greater opportunity to become more linked with Krishna because you're doing more your real business. 
although you may be a little more frail or you may be, you know, take an example of Srila Prabhupada, at, 70, at 69, 70 years old, he came to the West, started a whole new project. And uh, this is an example for all of us. So this is, uh, this is our real business, to, to, uh, to, to chant the holy name of the Lord. And um, it's the only remedy, actually, that will heal the problems of the world. At the moment, there are many, many problems. Uh, we can see how the Kali Yuga is really progressing in one sense. But in another sense, there's like a bubble of Krishna consciousness, of spiritual life also uh, happening. And, um, you know, there are pandemics. You know, now the next what last one is monkeys, something or other. And all these different diseases and everything. There are wars that are going on. There's floods that are going on. There's so many different catastrophes. And yet we have to, uh, have to remain in this understanding that we have to work and always think of Krishna. You know, just recently we had the political situation with an election here and devotees were asking me, um, Bhakta, who should we vote for? I had some phone calls. Bhakta, who should we vote for? And, you know, it was a generous, op generous offering that uh, uh, Josh... Uh, Burns gave to the temple here that he was offering, and I posted that, uh, that he was offering $70,000 to get a proper audio-visual set up here if he wins elections. So he did. <laughs> so, but, you know, the, so some devotees were saying to me, you know, like, okay, so should we vote for him? I said, Prabhu, that's totally up to you. One time they asked Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada, who do you vote for when there's an election? And Prabhupada said, I don't vote for anybody. <laughs> Prabhupada said, you know, unless they're a Raja Rishi, I'm not voting. So it's up to the individual. But so I was advising devotees, look Prabhu, it's really up to you. But, um, you know, technically speaking, um, we can't get caught up in politics. And uh, in our communications at the moment, there is difficulty because inevitably what has happened, Krishna consciousness has spread all over the world, all over the world. In every country there is uh, devotees, there are devotees. And they're chanting and they're diligent and they're serving. And what's happening at the moment is, is that there's a war between two countries, Ukraine and Russia. And there are devotees in Russia and there are devotees in the Ukraine many devotees actually in both those countries so there's now a bit of a uh, a rift within krishna consciousness the russian devotees say that they are right and the ukrainian devotees say that they are right but that's not the attitude that we should take the attitude we should take is that our only business is the chanting of the holy name you know, not taking sides with whether Putin did the right thing or the Ukrainian president did the right thing. We are simply following Lord Chaitanya's direction to chant the holy name of the Lord. That's it. That's the panacea that's going to save the world. How we chant our rounds actually determines how humanity will continue on. And that's a responsibility that each and every one of us have. How we chant our rounds first thing in the morning actually determines how the state of play as far as world peace is concerned, pestilence, pandemics, everything. It's up to us to bring in this age of enlightenment, to bring in this Satya Yuga, in this Kali Yuga is up to us. We have to chant diligently with a service attitude, always having in our mind, what can I do for you, Krishna? What can I do for the pure devotee? What, can I, what service can I render today? How can I help another devotee? A service attitude is one of compassion as well. We have to be very compassionate to other people. You know, even non-devotees just have a service attitude, provide meals for people. If we're working at crossways, serving our prasadam, we do it in a very service attitude, a very compassionate way. Not that we just serve out, oh yeah, and plop something on a person's plate, but actually connect with people. Even at Crossways or Radis. I went to Radis the other day, and uh, the service attitude of one of the girls that was behind the counter was so nice, whether it was just because she was doing it for us, or 
I don't know, but I think her whole demeanor was really positive, you know, just wanting to serve someone, wanting to give Krishna consciousness to someone in the form of prasadam. So we have to have that attitude that our, our chanting actually and our service attitude will, will change the world. If we have that, each, in if each and every one of us individually understands that our direction will change the world, how we chant the holy name. It's interesting actually, I heard recently, which was fascinating. In Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, um, there's never any, either in the Chaitanya Bhagavad or the Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's never anything that's mentioned about wars or pestilence that were happening at the time in Bengal or that part of India or in India at all. There's no mention of wars or anything that was going on. But actually, at that time, there were many wars going on. Absolutely. You know, with the Mughals invading India. And, uh, and you know King Pataparudra, right? Everybody knows from the Chaitanya Chaitanya. King Pataparudra was the, was the great king that wanted to constantly see Lord Chaitanya. He'd do anything to see... He became, ultimately, he became a great follower of Lord Chaitanya, correct? So he actually had so many wars going on. He had battles in the north and battles in the south, which you never hear anything about in those scriptures because it is not important. What you hear about is how Lord Chaitanya chanted the holy name, how the devotees chanted the holy names, were in ecstasy in chanting the holy names all over South India and through Vrindavan and in Bengal and Navadweep. You know, that was the most important thing. So this chanting... This chanting of, of full surrender is, is really the most important thing. And if we capture, capture, you really capture that understanding that our rounds, the commitment that we've made to our spiritual master, chanting 16 rounds, has to be really, really well done with a service attitude. There's the quote that Prabhupada gives just to summarize. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the reservoir of all knowledge, all potency, all strength, all opulence and influence. There is no limit to his powers. Since he is full in all transcendental attributes, nothing abominable from the material world can exist in him. His transcendental and spiritual and therefore concepts of material happiness and distress do not apply to him, nor does it apply to any of the devotees. And a loving reconnection with him is what we need. And we call out his holy name in deep meditation with a compassionate and service attitude. That's what's required. So I just wanted to bring that message across. It was just, you know, that sometimes, and I'm personally also uh, like that, sometimes we take our rounds for granted that it's just something that I do in the mornings and you go meticulously through the chanting and, and the bead bag, 16 rounds are finished, and oh, yep, that's done. We actually have to really be conscious that, you know, we have to have that service attitude, not only when we're chanting, but what we're asking Krishna, my dear Lord, please engage me in your service. That's the translation of that. Please, my Lord, engage me in your service. So what can I do for you today? How can I bring people to you today? And Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, in the last chapters of Bhagavad Gita, that person that's presenting the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita to the broader community, that person to me is the most dear. So not only will Krishna welcome you, he'll, he'll be doubly happy to see you because you've been promoting his, his words, Bhagavad Gita. So that's the service attitude. When we chant in the mornings, you think of ways, how can I be more effective in bringing people to Krishna consciousness today? In my work, is there someone that has showed a little bit of interest in Krishna consciousness? How can I encourage them in that service, in, in, by getting them to become more... Can I invite someone to my home and give them prasadam? Can I bring some prasadam to them? Can I give something to the shop owner down the road? Can I... In, in different ways, when you're chanting, just have that service attitude. What can I do, my Lord? How can I engage? How can I be more effective? That should be our, our, uh, our, our daily prayer. Please, Lord, engage me in your service. So it's a simple class. I just wanted to bring that across to you, that it is important, especially in this day and age when there's lots of fighting and killing and pandemics and this and that. We can't get too wrapped up in that. 
you know, and if you want to help your brothers and sisters, and I'm saying that devotees, it'll be, uh, there are some devotees that are being killed in the war situation at the moment on both sides. And we pray that people will have, devotees will have the intelligence to understand that not to be partial or, or you know, not to be um, coerced into a material understanding of this is my side and that's their side, that it's more that we're all uh, children of God, we're all God's children and uh, the means for which to get back to him is just by the calling of his holy name. So when you chant in the morning also, that service attitude, just praying for those devotees that are in those war-torn situations, and it's not easy in those war-torn situations, your prayers will also help them to think about those people that are suffering like that and, and, uh, and pray to the Lord that they maintain their Krishna consciousness. So I just wanted to bring that up. It's, uh, it's uh, an interesting chapter. Krishna is really amazing. Uh, and we have to be very mindful that, um, you know, Krishna has, there's no contradictions with Krishna. You know, he, he can do anything. He is the most powerful and he can change any situation. So I'll stop here. Any comments or questions at all? Yes, Prabhu. Thank you. Uh, I think I'll, I'll put it on web on the, uh, on the ESCOM website. Once we've got a two months rent-free period whereby we're now decking it out, uh, fitting it out, and everything. Um, it w it will be very simple. Uh, we're just having pictures of the deities, Radhabalabha, Gornita, and Jagannath, and uh, it's it's a open sort of area. We have to put heating in there and 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 signs and all that kind of stuff. So when it's all ready to go, then we'll show pictures and everything. But at the moment, it's, we, we'll let people know. Thank you, Prabhu. Yes, Bhakti. Uh, it's just taken so long because uh, it's difficult. Um, again, people, uh, the council has been quite um, difficult. <laughs> Again, because it's a material world, you know, people are not really inclined towards religious institutions or community centres or anything like when it's religiously orientated. And so we've been trying pretty well for the last few years to get something happening. And um, unfortunately, it's been really, really tough, you know. Uh, but this is a starting point. This is a starting point. It's not necessarily uh, the, the final product. Uh, you know, it will probably... Uh, Aniruddha Prabhu went down there the other day and he said as, as soon as it's not big enough we'll get a bigger place but what it does what this center will do it will bring all the devotees and I think there's about 160 different families living in the western suburbs and it's very difficult to come to Albert Park all the time it will consolidate and, and allow us to come together as a unit and then that unit will be able to that group of devotees will be able to then expand from there and hopefully, in due course of time, we'll be able to have a temple out in the western suburbs. That's the whole idea, eventually. But we're not ready for that yet. So when we consolidate our efforts, we come together, we chant together, we hear together, we serve together, you know, then we'll actually start to develop a mood and then Krishna will make the arrangements. You know, Krishna can make anything happen. So, you know, when we start this joint, I mean, there are Bhakti Vriksha groups out there. I mean, how many Bhakti Vriksha groups are these? Uh, about five or six, isn't it, in the western suburbs? But they're little pockets. You know, what we want is those Bhakti Vriksha groups that come together in different programs, have youth programs, a program for young people that they can come and have bhajan, you know, have women's groups, have children's groups where we can, people can learn Sanskrit through Pranaprabhu, different things like that. So community efforts, community things. When we build that, and the council also then sees that we're doing good work for the community, because not only that, but we'll be doing uh, probably book distribution or prasadam distribution. 
so many different things we can do if you have a service attitude and if you say, okay, uh, can we do this? Can we do that? You know, Then the council will say, oh, wow, these are really fine people. We'll make arrangements that they can have some land to build a temple. That's what we're hoping will happen. And in due course of time, that will happen. You know, Prabhupada, when he first came, you know, he, he, he was such a pure devotee and he had such vision that uh, Prabhupada said, you know, there are many, many temples and all over the world. Actually, he even said before he went to India, I heard this recently, he said to, to somebody, I can't remember, some, oh, some Babaji or something in Vrindavan, he said, oh yes, I'm going to uh, America and there'll be so many temples opened up and so many devotees will come and there will be a famous uh, music entertainer and he will take to the chanting of Hare Krishna. This was even before anybody thought that George Harrison would become a devotee. I just heard that recently. So, you know, you have to have the mind open and this is another chapter for Melbourne Mandir, you know. It's a, it's a satellite, it's an embassy from Melbourne Temple. This place is such a vibrant place, such a powerful place, you know. When I bring people here from different walks of life, interfaith groups or school groups or whatever, people are blown out and the first thing they say is, wow, there's such a powerful energy here. That energy is the holy name. It's the power of the holy name. It whips people up. It, they, they can't relate to, wow, this is just amazing. So this is what we then want to, and Aniruddha Prabhu has also said, you know, if this works in the western suburbs, then there's the north, there's the south, and there's the east, you know, that we set it up like that. This, this is the plan. We have to push on this Krishna consciousness. We can't just be sitting idly by. We have to push on, each in our own way. And it starts by the bead bag in the morning with a service attitude, chanting those rounds with, what can I do for you, my Lord? How can I make a difference today in the world? What can I do to push on the preaching? Not that we're just chanting, okay, that's it, finish. Think of it. Ladies, think of it. How can today, and everybody should simply try and make a, 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 a commitment I'm going to do something special, Krishna consciously, today. I'm going to tell that person at the supermarket about Krishna today. I'm going to give them a, a, a pamphlet. Did I tell you about the last time? Did I say that here at the last time? I, went, I think I did. I can say it again anyway, just to show you how much people are willing to become Krishna conscious. I, um, I was filling up my tank with petrol. And I had Western clothes on, but I had my neck beads on. I filled up the tank with petrol, came in to pay the guy the money, and the man stopped and he said, are you with uh, some other organization, you know? And I said, no, I'm with uh, Hare Krishna. And, and the physiotherapist said, so what do you do with your life? I said, well, I'm a minister in the Hare Krishna movement, a minister of religion for the Hare Krishna movement. The who? I said, the Hare Krishna movement? You know the Hare Krishna movement? No. You've never heard of Hare Krishna? No. The people that chant and dance in the streets? No. Nothing. Zip. Nada. And there were all the other young men that were in that place... All of them, you know, I said, you know so they, they said, what do you want to be called? Because I had on there my Western name because of the healthcare card. And then I said, no, I want to be known as Bhakta. My name is Bhakta Das. For the last 43 years, my name is Bhakta. And everybody in Wyndham knows me as Bhakta. So now they call me Bhakta. 
what does your name mean? You know, they want to know what my name means. You know, so in all these different ways, you can, but none of them had an idea about Krishna consciousness. And I'm thinking, my God, what are we doing? They don't know about Hare Krishna. Back in the 70s, everybody knew about Hare Krishna. It was on everybody's lips. 70s, 80s, you know, what are the Haris doing, you know? And we used to get news reports. I said this also at our communication seminars, you know. You know, people that just, we have to be more out there. We have to present ourselves. And we've got such wonderful devotees here in Melbourne Temple. We have never had so many committed, strong, loving, compassionate devotees as now in this yatra, in this temple. You know, but now we have to really broadcast how loving and caring we are <laughs> and bring people to Krishna consciousness. And it's not that we want to have people shaving up or moving into the ashram. That'll be nice. But we just want people to appreciate us, to love us. And then they'll want to say, what has that person got? She's such a sweet lady. She comes into the service station all the time. She's so sweet, you know. And uh, last time she bought these little sweet balls in for me and my God, they were delicious, you know. I want to be like her. How can I be like her, you know? Because, you know, obviously things are happening in her life that are painful and, 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 and difficult at times. But she seems equipoised to the whole thing. I want to have that. Some catastrophe happens in a materialist life and it's like all hell breaks loose. You know, oh God, I'm suffering so much. What's happening to me? Mataji knows when you go and do chaplaincy, you know, you go into a ward and all you hear is, oh, why is God doing this to me? Oh, I'm suffering so much. Isn't it? And the devotee just takes it. Oh, yeah, well, like now, I mean, I've got this back. Oh, I did my back the other day. And I mean, apart from the sciatica, all of a sudden my back just went. <laughs> I thought, my God, what's happening? But I realize, as a devotee, you realize, okay, this is Krishna's mercy. It's actually Krishna's mercy. It's, a, I said to Bhakti, it's a slow drip karma. You know, I'm not getting the whole whammy in one hit. It's like, okay, Krishna's saying, we'll give you just a little bit of pain because you deserve that from all the nonsense that you did before you became a devotee and probably while you were a devotee. We'll just give you a little bit of pain, you know, so you can still continue your service but you're working off your karma in the same way. So it's a slow drip. So the devotees just say, yep, yeah, okay, no problem. You know? Madhi, Arambaru's son at the moment, is going through a hard time with his operations and everything and his illness. But, I mean, do you hear that man's kirtans? You know, when you hear his kirtans, what he's done for kirtan in the world, he is still, his kirtans, I listen to them all the time. It's so beautiful, so filled with love, you know. And, and you know, so he, he's able to tolerate. Like she was saying, he has up and down days, but his consciousness is, is there. And suffering is going to come to all of us. There's happiness and there's pain. But the way we actually deal with that depends on how we're, how we're chanting and how much service attitude we've got in our hearts. If every day when we're chanting we, we make a point, how can I... You know, like Prabhu works at Officeworks. How can I do something at Officeworks to make a difference with these people? The fact that they say I've got a funny haircut is one thing. But what else can I do? They just think I, he's one of these groovy sort of guys with a weird haircut. Probably don't even know he's a Hare Krishna. You know, what can I do? How can I do it? How can I get some, some nectar to them? How can I, what can I preach to them? You know, So every day that should be our thing. How can we do this? How can we... Make a, make a change in our lives, either online or personal, whatever. My Lord, I just want to serve you. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. How can I serve you? What can I do? And then we change the world. We will change the world. That will come. And even if it doesn't, doesn't matter. Prabhupada said, oh yeah, they asked Prabhupada, what happens if there is a nuclear war? Well, we just go back home back to God then. <laughs> what happens if there's not a nuclear war? Then we just stay here and preach. That's our alternative. There's no, no need to worry about anything. Just keep on preaching. Keep on chanting. That's our lot.
wonderful. Aren't we so fortunate? And then there's a loving God that is waiting, so waiting for us to come back to him with a love that's incomparable to anything here on the material world. I mean, when I saw that lady and the mother and the child coming together, I mean, I cried. I couldn't help it. It was just so materially touching. But I thought, I want to cry like that for Krishna. You know, when, I, I, I would be bawling my eyes out when I finally embraced Krishna. Can you think about that? Can you meditate on that? Krishna loves you so much, each and every one of us individually, that eventually the day will come where Krishna embraces you and fills you with love. I love you. That's what we're after. And that should be our meditation every day when we're chanting. To get back home, back to Godhead, and help people while we're here. Okay, Prabhu, I'll stop. Any other questions at all? What? No questions? <laughs> I heard Maharaj giving you the sauce the other day. You're always asking. You give such a nice class. <laughs> thank you for your class, Maharaj. No, thank you. Okay. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai. Haribo.